Hello? Yes, this is Piano Man. Ah, Perry. Perry, how are you doing? Nice to hear from you, man. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Dave to set up his defense. Playing a little ASL, my friend. While playing some fantastic music. <laughs> fantastic, baby. Oh. <laughs> well, thanks for the offer, Perry. I just wouldn't feel comfortable with that. I mean, you putting me on a counter, making me a nine-neg, too. You know, how hard Dave worked. You just gave him two counters with his name split. I don't know, Perry. Now, Jeff's talking about being a counter. Oh, I understand. I know, Jeff hasn't done much. I know you were just being nice today, but... Please, don't, no, no, don't make me a counter, please. I just haven't done much for the ASL world, Perry, baby. Hey, what's that? Well, you're right, Perry. Except for my exceptional piano playing at Aslock, man. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, thanks for the offer. Bye-bye, Perry. Alright, Piano Man, my setup is all ready. Hey, who was that on the phone? Well, that was nobody, Dave. Nobody, man. <laughs> Let's play some ASL. Oh, yeah. Dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the universe, probably. Advanced Squad Leader. Now, that's right. Now, we're discovering more planets every day. The Kepler telescope is discovering more planets. It's possible that there are oh, better thought... games now in the local area of our solar system. Oh, well, perhaps. I thought you meant we were discovering planets, Jeff. Not you and I, no. I say, what planet are you on? Yeah. What have you got there, Dave? Well, jumping right into it, because yeah. <laughs> this is our second show in the same night, following our usual pattern. If you've noticed, folks, a pattern of boring show, fun show, yeah. boring show, fun show, this, this might will be explain the fun show. it. Yeah. Because... <laughs> It's the first show we're drinking coffee and, uh, and soda. <laughs> and then uh, second, second show, show is the same day, Tuesday the 28th of May, but this will air this many weeks later. And we're having Sierra Nevada Kellerweiss Brewski. And I'm drinking tequila <laughs> In a... out of a 45 automatic <laughs> bottle. He's got glass guns. He's got two of these. Yeah, I've got a, a Colt 45 and then a he shows revolver. Davia. Yeah, and house? I've got it. Yeah, leader of the house. My brother shows. gave me these. I'm not a big tequila guy, but um, I was very surprised yeah. to see them. And at first, I thought they were glass squirt guns. Yeah, well, and you, you could use them like that. Or I first said, Jeff, like Jeff. Oh, is Jeff? There's, I noticed there's two glass guns on your table. Yeah. Is this our last episode ever? 
Well, I just don't. I'm I'm out of liquor in the house. I'm down to the tequila. You know exactly. how that yeah, is. This one is empty. Fortunately, I don't keep peppermint thing. schnapps in the house, or that would be the final. You know. Oh, we're out of liquor. You know? Oh, there's peppermint schnapps. <laughs> oh, let's drink the vanilla extract. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Although I like some schnapps. No, Do I don't really buy it. I, yeah. I like amaretto. Yeah, I like, like amaretto. straight up. Or, yeah, of um, course. Yeah, and, and I like the anise kind of flavor, yeah. the licorice stuff. Mm-hmm. Like ouzo and stuff like that. Yeah, I recommend you keep these locked away. Glass <laughs> so no one gets hurt. I'll put a picture of these on the on the show. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to. This will like replace my model kit photos. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but um if you spray paint them black, you could scare burglars out of the house with these. I could, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'll be a good that, use. That may happen. Yeah, that's yeah. Finally, a good use. I don't for recommend these. pulling the glass gun on anyone because I don't. I don't think you'll fool. No, probably not. Fool yeah. those evil burglars. And so, anyway, we have a, a show lined up here tonight, which is yes, no, yes. Um, some. We actually know what we're doing because we have again so much to do. We don't have time to fit it all in. So. We could probably record four shows just tonight, but we could. We wanted we we wanted to do the what you've been playing lately, and we wanted to do the yeah, we're finish gonna, off the. We're going to skip letters. Japanese notes. Time. We do it, and we have more letters. We, we have, have eight, more but letters. we're just skipping them till next yeah. time. Yeah, thanks everybody so, for writing. It's actually we're getting so many letters and well, stuff and, on Facebook. A lot yeah, of stuff oh, going on on Facebook. Right. So we're, you know, we'll finish our Japanese notes, yeah. and we will do. Jeff has some surprise. What's in the boxes? Including some. Now, I'm going to open this food. right now. This is snack food. Is so, and in seaweed? honor in honor of our continuing coverage of oh. uh, the Pacific Theater of Operations, I I've, I've got Annie Chun's All Natural Asian Cuisine Roasted Seaweed Snacks. All right, excellent with wasabi. With wasabi. Oh, good because my nasal passage. I think you can hear listeners. Hear yeah. it? a little stuffy. Yeah. I want to get that cleared out. <laughs> this will do it. I've had. I don't think I've had this brand before. Now this this is inter- interesting snack because this package weighs 0.35 ounces. 0.35 ounces. That's like one potato chip. Oh yeah, seaweed never fills you up. No, <laughs> you can eat a boatload of this stuff. Look at <laughs> this. It's like a, it's like a deck of cards. Oh, look at that. I see. Yeah, <laughs> I see weed. Take one. Oh, more yeah. than one, my friend. Oh no, just one. Ah, they fill up fast. A little dabble, do you? Wafer thin, not uh-huh. even wafer thin. You can almost—it's like skin. Oh, little wasabi kick. Oh yeah. The lately, little wasabi's hurting my throat, so I don't know if you know when I eat whole chunks of it like I do. So I don't know if I have a raw throat or I should be concerned about my throat. But um, nice, and you know what's really interesting? Do you smoke cigars? No, no, I don't smoke Maybe you at should all. Start. <laughs> These are pretty good. Oh, I made a mistake. These are Korean. Korean, yes. Savory roasted Korean seaweed with wasabi. Um, What's really odd, Megan and Adam, my children, love this stuff. Really? Oh, yeah. And do they like fish? Because seaweed has a tendency to taste like fish. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, no, they will eat fish, but it does taste, yeah. Like dead fish, actually. So, why do we like it so much? I don't know. I think it's the wasabi. You could put wasabi on just about anything, and I'm going to be eating it. But not too much, because it hurts my throat. Did no. I tell you about the first time I had? 
I had uh, sushi. No. Do we have time for this? Yeah. Um, I went to a cook it in front of you Japanese restaurant. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the Benihana really, type thing? Yeah, with the cool chefs. Rock bottom. Flipping the knives there. around. And- oh, yeah. And like an idiot. I thought, well, I never had sushi. I'll order sushi. Not realizing they don't really cook the sushi in front of you. No, and if they do, it's not sushi. So that was really a bad choice, but I didn't know. I yeah. was a young college kid, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, I ordered, <laughs> she brought the whole platter of sushi, and I looked at it, not knowing what much of everything was. And there was a little dish of hot teriyaki sauce. I figured that was some kind of dipping sauce and, and a little wad of green stuff on the on the platter, like... Like lime sherbet. <laughs> it looked like lime sherbet. <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do. So I, no. I first thing I did, yeah, I, I scooped up the wasabi, the whole lump, oh. right in my mouth. Oh. Uh-huh. It was Holy like, cow. whoa, whoa. Yeah. And um, everybody was like, wow. And <laughs> well, it's not very descriptive. Everybody was like, wow. But the waitress came back. And she says, "You eat sushi before?" And I said, "Oh no, no, I've never, I've never really ate like this stuff before." And she says, "Oh, oh I, sh- I show you, I show you." And and she looks at the plate and goes, "Where's the wasabi?" And I said, "What?" She says, Where, "Where's wasabi?" And I said, "What?" And she goes, "Green stuff." And I and I go, "Oh!" Whoa. And she goes, oh. "I go, I ate it." She goes. Oh no! <laughs> she was so cute. Oh no! And you should have seen her face. I go, yeah. I figured that out on my oh, own. Oh my god! So I think she felt like guilty, like she didn't teach me how to eat it yeah. beforehand. But you know me. Should come with a warning. Throw it in the mouth. Throw yeah. it right in the mouth. Yeah. And you know what else? Well, you learned your lesson, didn't you? I did. And <laughs> I love wasabi. You know this Keller Vice, Sierra Nevada. The label here. Have you tried it yet? No, I haven't. Maybe I shouldn't say anything yet. Keller Weiss? Taste it. Tell me what you think. Uh, if you get the seaweed out of your mouth, taste it. First, I'm going to smell it like I do. <sighs> I don't do this in restaurants, folks, because it is rude. <laughs> smells like beer. Taste. <laughs> hmm. Do you notice it? Well, it tastes like uh, Weiss beer. Yeah, but it's yeasty. Let's go again. Like Weiss beer. I think tropics. Go again. Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. But it's a Kellerweiss. Oh, banana. Yeah. Look at that. You're a right. Deeply complex with flavors reminiscent of ripe banana and spicy clove. I don't taste the clove very much. Oh, Haze. I taste the clove, oh, too. Do yeah, now that you mention it. Hazy golden brewski. Flows from with suspended yeast. From out of the ground? <laughs> Flows from Flows with suspended from yeast. Artesian is that why it's always uh, cloudy? The Hefeweizen? Yes. The yeast is suspended. That's right. Well, it must have done something bad to yeah. get suspended. Uh. And I'm never sure. Are you supposed to? When I first started drinking Weiss beer years ago, mm-hmm. probably back it. when I was in college, I wasn't sure if you were supposed to drink all that uh, pond Oh, yeah, at the bottom. In. Yeah. So, of course, what do I do when I'm not sure what to do with any food item? Drink it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eat it or drink Just put it, it with wasabi. You're going <laughs> to feel just fine. Pour, uh-oh, now here, to 
to serve pour two thirds into a glass swirl. Oh, and then add the rest. So, oh, okay. You can add the rest. All right. Banana. Interesting. Yeah, I, I had do, no idea. I do notice the banana. I really didn't know when I yeah. bought it. Hmm. Now, this wasabi. The I things mean, this, they do these days with the seaweed and beer. Seaweed snacks. <laughs> Only in America. Also, one of the ingredients is cornstarch. <laughs> yeah, that's not that? beer How Korean. did that happen? But anyway. Only in America. These are good. We'll eat those. We've got a lot a lot to do. You, you know, know I get going. This is just too much fun <clears throat> doing nothing. I've got a, a short segment I'd like to do. Oh, yeah. If you don't mind. About music. Do you play music when you game? Oh, that's going to be... We're going to do that later, but... Oh, we Later were? never comes. Yeah. Yeah. You remember my music collection, don't you? I, I love your music collection. You and I have very similar music collection. No, my gaming music collection. Yes, I like your gaming music collection for when we're playing D and D and no, whatnot. for ASL. No, I don't. You oh, have totally yes, of course. It. Right, you've got like the Russian men's <laughs> symphony orchestra, <laughs> the Red Army Choir, the Red Army Choir. I have. You've got the German stuff. You think, okay, the, yes, the, I do remember. Yes, that. remember it very well. Mm-hmm. And there is something you know, kind of nice about playing music to kind of add to the mood. Yeah. Like uh, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy? <laughs> Boogie Woogie, yeah. And uh, I, I have a, uh, I subscribe to a service called Rhapsody. Uh-huh. For $10 a month, I can stream all this music, and they have a great collection of music from the 1940s, lots of World War II kind of stuff. So this is kind of nice. Play this in the background while you're playing ASL. Yeah, and actually I do. I thought we, we were going to actually have me... Uh bring in each cd that i have and talk about it but those days probably are gone now i mean if we did that and we started out what five years ago it would have made sense to, yeah but now you, you're right you go to rhapsody or you go well we'll still i'll still bring the cds we'll I, and we can it. talk about them here's a little danny k you know who hates the music when you play who bob bob holmstrom, holmstrom. yeah I, I tried it on him once he's like are you going to play that the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> well, thought I would. I'll take it off. I read a quote the other day. I'm not sure who said it, but the quote was, Music with dinner is an insult to both the chef and the violinist. Really? And it kind of makes sense because you can't really concentrate on your meal if you're listening to the music, and if you're listening to the music, you can't. If you're concentrating on the meal, you can't. Well, you get it. I do get it, but also there are those steakhouses where they have the waiters who sing and stuff. Yeah, just and those, tell them to shut up. And those Mexican bands that go around. They're trying to divert you from the fact that your meal is no good. <laughs> oh, we have some more seaweed here. Well, I, I, I found something very interesting the other day as I was scooting around on Rhapsody. I found um, some different kind of music that people might be interested in playing while they're Oh, yeah? Playing squad later. I want you to listen to this. I'm, let me read you the lyrics. All right. This is actually music with lyrics. And then I'll play the music. Through the gates of hell, as we make our way to heaven, through the Nazi lines, primo victoria. We've been training for years. Now we're ready to strike as the great operation begins. We're the first wave on the shore. We're the first ones to fall. Yet soldiers have fallen before. Later on in the lyrics in this song, Okay. On the 6th of June, on the shores of Western Europe, 1944, D-Day upon us. 
We've been here before, used to this kind of war. Crossfire, grind through the sand. Our orders were easy. It's kill or be killed. Blood on both sides will be spilled. Let me play the music. Okay. That doesn't sound quite like an American song, but... Through the gates of hell! <laughs> you may cut away to heaven through the Nazi line! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. So I found a heavy metal band that writes war music. And this one is about Operation Overlord, D-Day. Let's listen for a moment. band called Sabaton. Well, at least they're not a bunch of neo-Nazi skinheads, I no, take it. No, this is a band from Sweden, and uh, they formed in 1999, and their whole thing was to play heavy metal, mostly songs about battles, historical battles, and they, they cover the whole history. But I was especially interested in the World War II stuff. Here's one of their songs called Panzerkampf. Do you have a link for Listen this, to this band or anything? Starts off with the tanks and marching. What's their name? Sabaton. S A B A T O N. We will put up a link, folks. It's <laughs> a great band. I don't know yet what to make of it. I just thought All people right. would be well, interested in that. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah, I am interested in that, actually. It's interesting. When you were reading the lyrics, something struck me as not authentic historically at all about it. And I don't know what that was. We talked about glorifying war in the last yeah. episode earlier tonight. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a heavy metal fan. but um, And, you know, it's you know what's weird? I'm 56. <laughs> I got into heavy metal like two years ago. Really never listened to heavy metal before now. But I got, I got really? into it about two years ago. And, really? Uh, yeah. And I really like this band. What have you been playing lately? What have you been playing lately? Oh, Jeffrey, you know what that means. It must be time for what have you been playing lately. It's time for what you've been playing lately. And personally, I've been playing with... 
D. Timonen, Dave Timonen, No Mercy in Bercy by Ian Daglish. I have two that have been played from him, uh, from Journal, whatever number it was, before like the newest, I think, is J137, No Mercy in Bercy. And Ian mentioned this to us in the interview. Mm-hmm. And uh, mentioned it would be a good little half-track trainer game, five and a half turns, half a board or so. Yeah. And, yeah, it's true. Uh, you have the British defending and the Germans have to exit or game in controlling two stone buildings. So I like the variety in the victory conditions Yeah. here. And the, I took the Germans, which... Or no, I wasn't the German. Let's see, I was the British? Well, that's funny. <laughs> no, I I checked this wrong on my sheet. I write down the side I played. Dave had... Yeah, keep crunching because this one's not coming back to me right now. No, I had the Germans. Nine eight three eights against eight... Maybe 10 British first line, mostly, too yeah. elite. And I thought, oh, golly, he's you know taking the defender. Well, he didn't set up the defense often at my house because we played my house. And in, in, in came my Germans, and then in came three more and three half tracks, 838s. I'm like, this is heaven. How often do you get to play this many 838s? Yeah. Going to cream them. Getting a close combat, two to one advantages. Fire group 16, 24. Yeah. And I got creamed. No. Utterly creamed. And I started off again thinking, well, you know, I should let him win because, you know, I, we beat him at last bid for like three months. Yeah. <laughs> and although if you break it into days that we played last bid, you know, the Germans came away feeling they were winning many of those days. Yeah. But, yeah, they got Vapo, Jeff. I had two flamethrowers. I don't, I don't remember what happened with those. Just, I couldn't. I don't know, make a morale check. He had OBA. Um, mm. Couldn't couldn't get it done at all. At all. Wow. Shocking loss. And I almost don't think it was all die. Dave had a really good defensive setup. Got his OBA in the right places. Had tanks, too. Five tanks. So that is a lot of tanks. I think I underestimated the power uh, maybe. of five tanks versus just 838 infantry coming in. Yeah. Right? That's one I played lately. I... Recommended highly and hope you have better results than I did. But what was the number on that one? Uh, one's J137. Okay. From the journal. From the journal. Okay. Great. And you? I played just the other day with Rich Spilkey. I played Coke Hill, which is um, from Bounding Fire Productions, their Blood and Jungle Pack. Ah, good. Which we reviewed. Good. Yes. That Sam Tyson sent to mm-hmm. us. Remember Sam Tyson? Sure do. You know, any show is better when you say Sam, Sam Tyson. Tyson. Just add Sam Tyson to your show, and you'll feel good. Good stuff. Yeah. Adds all the vitamins and minerals that you need. Well, this this Coke Hill was uh, designed by Chaz Smith. takes place in 1945 in Borneo, the Australians against the Japanese. And the mission on this is the Australians win a game end by accumulating greater than or equal to 24 exit victory points. So this is one where they've got to get off. Get off, huh? Of good order units, provided they have controlled the two hill hexes south of the stream at some point 
the level two hill hex. Have control, but they have can control. abandon the positions yes. then and move All on? All they have to do is walk in and walk okay. out if All there's right. nothing else in there. Interesting. You don't see that a lot. And this uses board 50, which I didn't have, so I wasn't able, and I I hate to say it, but I was having a hard time getting Vassal to work for me. Well, and I'm a computer and guy. I have had problems. I work at home. a computer a thousand hours every week, and I could not get Vassal working as quickly as I wanted it to, so I just kind of gave up. So I went into it kind of cold, but there are three level two hill hexes that the Japanese have, and I played the Japanese side. And as I was driving down um, to visit Rich, I thought, I'll bet Rich is going to hold back his AFVs. And just run them off the board because they have lots of exit victory points. And I'm not. I just thought I'm not going to worry about his victory points. I'll let him take off as many victory points as he wants because he can't win unless he controls all of the second level oh, hill hexes. Yeah. So you drew the so line I at thought, the hill hexes. I'll just mm-hmm. heavily defend the hill hexes, and so I did that. And I, in fact, I won on the last turn. You did. I was down to I. I think I was down to two. 137 crews, one of which was in a fortified pillbox on one of these second-level hill hexes, and Rich could not get in there. Well, pillboxes are always fortified. Yes. But, yes. I mean, it's not an extra bonus to the pillbox, but... No. Cool. But he couldn't get in there. He couldn't get in there. So it was... You don't think he let you win? No, I don't think he let me win. He was surprised. Wow. Um, I will say, and... It's possible he'll be listening to this show because he does listen. <laughs> it's possible he lost sight, perhaps, of the taking the hill. Yes, victory condition. Right, and he forgot maybe that the only way to get into a pillbox would be to kill me out first. There was no no well, other way for it to get it in. It can close I mean, combat can, you. Yes, right, he can get but, on top and do close combat. Yeah, but as but long as you then, survive, then yeah, right. Even then, he. It got down to the last roll. We were trying to figure out if he could perhaps win in close combat and then do with withdraw and withdraw into the pillbox. He might have been oh, able to, to win that location. in order to control that location. All right. Yes, but he didn't win that last close combat. So. I see what you guys are saying. That That's part. a separate location in the pillbox. Right. And if you were last to control that, you're right. I could see. I right. could lose sight of that too. Yeah. Think you know I just have to kill you and then I have the hill. Yeah, but so yeah, it was no, fun. There were some pangies in there which I didn't really use very well. There were some minefields in there which I think was my first plane of the minefields, or almost maybe I mean, once or twice before. Um, Eighteen factors of of uh, minefield. Also, um, he had a um, a really nice flamethrower tank, which I killed very early on. So he never got to use that. I think that hurt him quite a bit. And um, my Tank Hunter heroes were not really very effective, but it was fun to have read about those and, and use them. And that was a really good scenario. I recommend Coke Hill. Easy to play. Got through it in about, actually, we were in about six hours. I don't think we well, stood up for like six hours. It's pretty long. But, yeah. But, but um, good fun. Yeah, good for a, a, an afternoon yeah. start. And Yep. What else have you been playing? More? I played a game with you. J139, Light Aid Detached. Was I there? You were there. Shall I refresh your memory? Yes, please. Because I was just looking at it, not remembering it, until I started reading the special rules. Okay. 
British AFVs are abandoned at start. Should a British half-squad enter an abandoned armor-fighting vehicle, the vehicle suffers the following penalties. An experienced crew, plus two to hit. Partisans have Molotov. Cannot form multi-location fire groups. Germans set up as passengers. In motion. Does it sound familiar now? Nope. <laughs> the British AFVs are abandoned. Vehicles abandoned on your side. You were the oh, British partisans. Yes, right. And they were that's sitting right, there yes. around a building, mm-hmm. and I because that's what triggered it for me. The memories was yeah. this abandoned vehicles, the abandoned, vehicles. <clears throat> which I love. Ian always does a nice little variety in his scenarios. There. Yeah, I think you won. Yeah, yeah, you won, and the Germans have to have win by having one or more good order non-crew MMC in that building G three. Ah. So you remember I pulled vehicles up, started pounding at a distance, trying to keep you out of the tanks. Did you ever get in the tanks? Do you remember? I don't think I ever did. I, I think no, you did. You had some did tanks I? pulling up and fighting me. Yeah, yeah, you did. But maybe I wiped them out real quick. Yeah, and I got be. into that building, and you felt I helped you a little too much at the end there, when we were sitting there looking at going. Okay, can this guy? Get in the building, or this guy can shoot at him. He can oh, shoot at right. him yeah. for that defensive fire, laying it all right. out there. Got to really think out those last turns, you know. Yeah. Who can shoot at which hex? Because I got four Germans coming in, right? And then which one's the biggest close combat threat to win the thing? Trying to calculate all the percentages. Yeah. But by that time, I didn't have enough strength to get in there anyway. It was kind of a turn short, a turn too short. Yeah. On it. So, but I liked it. But it has a lot of these different vehicles. We had the flat gun German. A uh, half track a truck and six wagons. I have no memory of the wagons. Do you remember the wagons? I don't remember the oh, wagons. Oh, oh, I remember. <laughs> now he's Sorry, remembering listeners. the wagons. I remember the wagons. The little red wagons. Long board. Yeah. You had partisans set up in the front zone hidden. Oh, yeah. You remember this? The wagons came shooting down the roads. Right. And you opened up on some of them unarmored. Right. And I was trying to use them to find out where you were to clear paths because you had Molotovs. I didn't want my vehicles to have to get through there. Right. I think you hit a half track with a Molotov, open top, yeah. blah, 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 Oh, blah. yes, right, right. So that's what I love about this game, Light Aid Detached. You run this little gauntlet of hidden partisans. The Germans do whacking at you. Then you get back to this house you got to take where the British are all outside of the vehicles and have to jump in them. And get ready to defend. Yeah. That's why I love that scenario. It's a really unique setup, and I had a lot of fun playing it, even though I lost. Yeah, where's that one J-139? from? J139. Okay. Same Another series. Journal. I was trying okay. to yeah. finish out these last of, course. of that journal yeah. hack. And, uh, but, I mean, I played it last bit in between there. Yes, you did. So, Yes, you're, you're, you're getting crazy, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> playing out of order. <sighs> and so, do you have another one? Crazy boy. No, no, that's all I've been... I will say this. Well, so that's this, all I've been up to. This one was both of us, so... I'm going to talk about one that I'm going to play. All right. Uh, Rich and I decided we were going to play Chateau de Quesnoy. No one can Q-U-E-S-N-O-Y. pronounce that Q-U-E-S-N-O-Y. This is ASL Good. Scenario A64. Comes from Journal... Uh, no, ASL Annual 93B. Oh, and um, now Rich is very interesting. He said he's played this eight times. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. He loves this scenario. He has never won as the Germans. He's played twice. He's played three times as the Germans and lost. 
few times. Or he's the Brit. Or, and the rest, the rest as the Brit French. I'm French. sorry, it's the French and yeah. one. Yeah. Yes. And he cannot figure out how to win as the Germans. And so we have agreed to play this. I'm going to play the French. He's going to play the Germans. And, and I said to him, you know, of course, immediately, I said, hey, if you want to win as the Germans, let me play the French. You'll win. <laughs> you know, but he said, oh, no, seriously, let's play this. So we're going to play it next month sometime. Uh, it's kind of a long scenario. It's 14 turns. Yeah, that's one of those early remakes of the original scenarios. Yes, from, that's right. So from they, Squad Leader. They used to have them that long. Right. What's the counter density on that? Puppy? Um, it's, uh, let's see, there's 12, 16, 18 squ- uh, French squads. Um, that's a lot. And Plus vehicles. And then there's seven crews, so that must mean there's seven guns on the French side. And 80 factors of minefield. That's a lot. Just and they're defending, they're defending the chateau. Okay. On which board? Uh, this is board four, five, and six. Yeah, did that have the one with the cool chateau surrounded by the orchards and those big two long roads going up Yes. That's one of my favorite boards. Right. I just love that board. And then one of the other multi-hex purposes. buildings has a level three uh, uh, tower. Tower um, thingy. Yeah, tower well, they didn't have steeple rules then. But right. What's the name of that one there? Chateau de Quesnoy. Q-U-E-S-N-O-Y. Well, Chateau de Quesnoy. If my memory serves me correctly... Which it usually does. Um, on Roar, I think that that one... It's favored by the fr- for the French to win. 32 yeah. to 16 German victories. Yeah. Okay, that's 2 to 1. Yeah, that's not a really great... Yeah. Yeah. But he's um, played, you know, players equal to his skill on both sides many times. And he's never won as the Germans. Have to play a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's going to take. Okay. So we're going to try it. And we looked at the boards and we talked about it a little bit actually before I before oh. I said, hey, let's play this. And when I said, hey, let's play this, he said, hey, yes, let's play this. Jeff, this has tw- like 35 German infantry. Yeah. Yep. And 16 vehicles. This is going to take you... A year. It'll take... <laughs> it might take us two days. Oh, it's going to easily take you two, Unless you guys play fast. 14 turns? No. The, the problem is 30-something infantry nah. and 13 tanks. Most of the time, they're just running. <laughs> that's a ton of stuff to be moving. I mean, I love it. I love it. But It's a, I think it's a great looking. He's, I'd say he had the board set up uh, when I walked into the... His house, he had him set up already because he just played it the other day. He finished playing it the other day with Dave Ramirez. Yeah, okay. And he he played, let me think now, what did he play? I think he played the French. So you, you have the French this and time? the Germans lost. But this time I have the French. Excellent, excellent so, indeed. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And my wife is going to be out of town a few weekends uh, in the coming summer months. Well, so keep me posted. Are you I will. Posted? I'm going to keep I you, probably I'm going to send you all the dates. I get, you didn't send me the dates. Yeah. I'm going to send you all the dates. You, know, you keep saying you're going to send me the dates, but when are you actually going to send me the dates? When I get them. I bet. Do you want to send, send them. the dates to Rich? Uh, no. Are you sure? I sent them to Mike. You already sent them to Mike? Yeah, and and, and Doug. And Doug. Did, I, did Bob get these dates too? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't play squad leader with Bob. 
Well, would you not like Bob or something? I love Bob. Bob is a great guy, and he's got a great voice. Of course voice. Bob is a great guy. Yeah, but I don't play squad leader with Bob. I don't want to waste his time. <laughs> you know I. You know what I mean? You don't put Rocky <laughs> and Bullwinkle together in yeah. a cartoon? You don't put Rocky in the ring with Bullwinkle. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo, Bullwinkle, I'm going to knock you out. Oh, right? that's not... You know what I mean? Hey, oh, you were yo. going the other Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. You know, Rocky. <laughs> Hokey Smokes. I'm not talking about that. Hokey Smokes, Bullwinkle. Boris Bedinoff. Yeah. Hey, Rocky. Hey, I should use that Boris Bedinoff when I teach the Cold War unit. Oh, you should. You yeah, definitely should. Yeah. Good reference. <laughs> well, anyway. Well, seriously. Oh, yeah. I'll send you the dates. I might have time. I know I never have time. I tell all these people, call me. I never have time for anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> summer's coming. Okay. So you might have some time. Well, yeah, because honestly, it, you know... It, it's a, it's a bit of an advantage because you get all quality family time done. Yeah. And have more time. Yes. So what a blessing. And now it's time for what's, what's in the package from the U.S. Postal Service. Yes. I'm very and excited. And books, too. Wait, you're not doing book review and what's in the box, are you? I don't know. We got so much stuff. Well, it's where did you get the books from? The bookstore. <laughs> a listener didn't send them. Oh no, because I always send them my address when yeah. they. Yeah, they, you hey, always get it. Hey, what's in this jar? It looks like urine. Yeah. <laughs> Reference last show, listeners. That is the best tasting urine I've ever had. It's Krupnikus. Look yeah. it up, listeners. You're going. Dave's going for more. Sure. Well, I drink my old jar. You working home. tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. It is getting late. Enjoy. We better, okay, we gotta wrap this no, up. No, no, no. You're good. <laughs> So I'm going to sure, open the box. I'm going to open sure, the box. you don't have to get it at 6 a.m. Do you know what's in here? Um, Do you know what's in yes, here? Yes, because you told me oh. that it was... Um, Do you remember? Uh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Tarawa. Yes. Boy. The whole island right there in that box. Yep. You know, it's sinking. We had that on an episode like three years ago. Yes, it is. So. Or, it, or the uh, ocean is rising. I mean, the island is sinking. Well, it's not really an island. It's a reef. No, the ocean is rising, right? The ocean is rising yeah. faster than the island is sinking. But the island's not sinking. Yeah. I mean, that's how atolls are formed. Is when uh, Parts of the ground settle? A, a volcano forms. Oh. And then reefs form around it. Yeah. And the volcano gradually declines. And the reefs build up. And that's how you, an atoll is created. Oh, thank you, Dr. Einstein. Yes, well. So here it is. I'm opening this. So on eBay the other day, uh, somebody on Facebook the other day, on the Uh two half squads on Facebook, said, pretty soon I'm going to be, yeah, love your seaweed. (laughs) I'm going to be putting my tarawa on sale. So I went on eBay, and I saw there was a tarawa for sale, and I thought, I want it. I have it. No, it wasn't buy it now. Um, But I bought it. I won the Bid. bid. I won the bid. Didn't I... I had a uh, maximum bid in mind, and I don't know if I overpaid for this. I'm not even sure I should tell people how much I paid. Do you think I should say how much I paid for this? Aren't financial issues personal? A little bit. Yeah, what would you pay? $180. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Cool. At I'm all excited. I don't Look know why. Because <laughs> it would be exciting not to pay that. But Now, this one is punched already. I wish I kept my original version. I would have got that to you. There's an unpunched version that just went up today. 
But, you know, honestly, I'd rather have the punched version because punching is a pain in the butt. And, you know, they were actually selling these for like both these for like 20 bucks a piece. What? MMP was. Yeah. Yeah. There was a point in history when this and the Pegasus Bridge were not going well. And I I saw them up. Boom. Here. Buy these. Tarwin? I thought, boy, maybe I should grab that. But apparently no one's playing the historical modules of these. And yeah, they are. This one's more popular, of course, than Tar- uh, Pegasus Bridge. Yeah. So what I you got? One hundred and eighty dollars. And we did the box. But you know what? On it already. I figured. I gotta have it. Well, you know, you... now there's talk. I don't... There's talk that there may be a campaign game of Tarawa coming up. Tarawa coming up. Rich said he would play. Oh, no, yeah. So I'm going to see about. Uh, I'll send you the trying dates. that again. Well, if you can yeah, commit, play four. Can... We're going to play four people. That's my thought. Okay. So if we can get four guys to commit, we'll play Tarawa here. Yeah, I might be in for that. Mm-hmm. So, although I played is. all the scenarios, and the big big game, baggied counters, all baggied, everything separated, very Corner nicely. Clipped. Corners are not clipped. It's okay. I never, yeah, go ahead I never put mine anyway, as you all could tell from the picture of the Japanese units I put on board. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I'm clipping. This I'm is like clip everything. very, very They look like clean. they're in good condition. Clean. Smoke-free home. Yes. Clean as a whistle. Yeah. Boy, there's a lot of counters in that game. Everything all cut all from that game? Yes. Now, I, I have a question for you, and I don't know if you'll know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that I read that Tarawa had... Obviously, some errata because everything does, and then but some problems with some of the counters. And that Journal 2, when ASL Journal 2 came out, it included a counter sheet that included replacements or additions for Tarawa. Could have. I remember that happening, but I don't remember that happening for Tarawa. So I'm wondering if I need to get Journal 2. I could easily be wrong because it's it's $50 and I don't have $50 on me. Oh, yeah, that when they reissued. They still have it, yeah. Oh, I think I have one at the house. An extra? I think so. I could buy it from you. Maybe so. Remind me to check and okay. I'll look in it when we get... Or, excuse me, I guess I ought to bring it and do a what's in the box with it. Yeah, you could. Here's Dude, all this. Here's all hand the, me something. Hand me yeah, uh, scenarios. Here's some scenarios. Here. And they're already in the... in the Three-ring binder the plastic binder thingies. plastic thingies. Nice ones? Yes. Very firm. The Hawk. Don't remember that at all. Oh, Eddie Zeman and Dethelson. These were the guys who did a lot of the early historical stuff, uh, third-party product stuff. They were called Heat of Battle. Yes, they oh. were taken over or absorbed into or somehow connected with Bounding Sam Fire. Tyson's. Yeah, Sam Tyson's um, group. You mean Sam Tyson? Yep. <laughs> and uh, nice five-and-a-half turner on the center north edge of the island. So this would be Basio Island, of course, uh, November 21, 1943. That's BRT-1. BRT-2 is China Girl. It's on the northeast corner of the island here. So you can fight a little battle there. Of course, the they're beak, all the Japanese birds beak. Marines. Yeah. yeah. Is that what they call it? The bird's yeah. beak or something? The bird's beak. didn't know that. Yeah. I guess I read one book about Tarawa, so I don't remember it from that. And that's November 20th. Um, again, don't want to go into too much detail, right? But you got your normal yeah. Marines, DCs, tanks for Americans. Japanese always have right pillboxes, wire, yes, AT guns, art guns, AA guns, yep. a lot of hidden stuff. This was I remember for sure having playing one of these games and somebody walked by all my hidden stuff because I forgot I had it. All oh, you there. forgot? 
walked through part of it, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I had like two pillboxes there back when you, well, what are you I said, the heck, we'll just put all my stuff out where you could see it. Yeah, there <laughs> so you go. I can see it. Yeah. And BRT3, Ryan's Orphans, and Seven Turns, the whole western side of the island and yeah. the backside. And I think this one includes these. Those eight. Eight-inch guns? No, they're not on it, but they oh, should be, right? They should be. Yeah, they're on that side. They're on the southern, southwestern tip. Yeah, see, I remember those, too. I remember those big things. Eight-inch so guns big. that the Japanese bought from the British or something. What an something. impression they left. Yeah, or leftovers from 30 the colonial years days or something. Yeah. And Ruka Sentai. And I remember when I, when I played a bit of Tarawa some years ago, I was so eager to use those eight-inch guns, but they're really not. They're on the wrong side. They're not of the very island. effective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they yeah they're easy to knock out. I think yeah, um, correctly or something. Yeah, and then the um, BRT four Rukin Sentai whole center of the island backside two. I don't remember if I used the backside. Is this the one? One of these is like a charge down the. Um, a lot of units in this one for the American. Well, a Japanese no pillboxes and all, so it must be in the center of the island. Uh, yes. Some of these the Marines set up yeah, in going place straight across. and go, yeah, they're crossing or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Straight across the airfield. BRT four. Well, one of them has a Japanese counterattack across it, which might be hell wouldn't have it. Japanese went immediately upon amassing twenty three casualty exit victory points. Japanese may only exit from the west edge. Hinterland hexes. Yeah, this is where they come across. Yeah, look at the tiny special rules. Night rules. Not Ooh. a lot of these are night though. No. And the yeah, Japanese must that. make at least one multi-hex bonsai charge on or before game three. Turn three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, turn three, thank you. Um, that's the one with the bonsai charge. How wouldn't have it? I remember that. Look at that. And BRT6, A Legend is Born. The whole western half of the island. A lot of units. Maybe this is the big one I'm thinking of. Is like a campaign game. 30 units per side plus vehicles, all kinds of support oh, yeah. weapons. And it's 10 turns. So maybe this is like the big one. I remember playing with Dave Timmon and it seemed a big deal at the time. And and you have the rest? I have the rest now. Here's BRT7. And it only has seven American squads and about 10 Japanese squads. So it's a, it's small, kind a of small a beginner. One. Just takes a takes place on a little section of the eastern side of the island. And is just five and a half turns long, so it may be a good place to get started. If yeah, you're just that getting actually, into yeah, this. Yeah, might be. And some have the land the LVT, so watch out for that. I would I would play the infantry first. Yes, not the landing vehicles. Don't nope. do a landing yet. So find your scenarios without the LVTs, like hell wouldn't have it. Whereas, actually, you got all, six all the have scenarios. The, I do have all the scenarios. Yeah, Sorry, yeah that's the all. only one I. Hog them all from you. Yes. Oh. And, of course, there's uh, comes with Chapter T, which has special rules for BRT. And what else? A little mini-map of the western, oh, no, of, the, of the entire island. On a little mini-map on two sides. Get more room in which there. Which is kind of handy. Now, that is Xerox, and you can mark in there all your hidden stuff oh, so you don't forget where it is. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really like using the the chart that comes with the game. It's got all the boxes for 
Oh, hidden initial placement and all? Yep. Well, you still have to put them in there, but if you, because you can't fit them on that. Right. But if you mark, like, mark on there, p-, p for pillbox with an arrow showing which way it's facing, stuff like that. Although yeah. it's kind of small. You might want to enlarge it, actually, which I just fit, crammed it all in there. At least it reminded me something is here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's all the rules, and then of course the maps. Now, the, I thought it was interesting it, that a lot of those rules were campaign game rules, so you may yes. not need them at all, right? And we'll talk about the campaign game at length if we when in, we, if you start if it, we, if we actually start it. it. Yeah, and then it comes with two maps. Both are, I guess, the usual twenty-three by thirty, thirty-three yeah, or whatever something that inches, is. whatever that is. And it has pretty much the whole island, but doesn't include the tail tip. The eastern tip. Oh, and it seems to me somebody came up with an add-on that. Oh, I never the eastern seen tip that. of the island. Yeah, it's missing, so it kind of looks a little funny. But it'd be like Gilligan's Island without the lagoon. I like to have it all, <laughs> but it's a nice, nice map. Those are bigger than normal hexes. I so really do. I really do like the hexes. map, of course, and a lot of palm. Trees, so your line of sights on this island are fairly open. Yes. Well, a lot of plus ones interference, but, it, right. you know, compared to woods yes, and that kind of thing, you can end up having a lot of open ground. What were these things? I don't remember this at all. Do you um, have the terrain chart there? You know? Why, yes, um, I do. Boy, G17, G16, 14, H12. There's a whole row of sand pits? I don't how can I not remember that? I know there's like a special bunker bunker house that has a top Yeah, level. there's the that's cool and there's then, the island command post. Yeah, that thing. I remember that. I don't remember, I remember this airfield. I remember there's lots of landing on these beaches. Now, here's here's Where one of the hexes. Things? Does it show the artwork? That's not. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here. Excavation ditches. Oh. Uh, excavation ditch. Totally don't remember that. Yeah. Probably like you can just duck in there and get plus one cover or something. They're treated as shell holes, except that a vehicle entering or changing VCA in an excavation ditch is subject to a bog check with a plus three die roll modifier. Okay. Probably because of the sand and stuff that was in there. Yeah. So, very excited about this. And to go along with this, I read a book on Tarawa, which I put on the website. Okay. And so, that, and a short book. It's called Tarawa, the Story of a Battle by Robert Sherrod, who was a, a reporter, I believe, for the New York Times, about 150 pages long. His personal experience, because he was there reporting, went in with the first wave and stayed throughout. And a very brief um, introduction to why they needed to take Tarawa, and then... 120 pages of his harrowing experiences on the island. And if you don't know anything about Tarawa, I'd say this is a good place to start. Yeah. Because it gives you a good overview. It's a very quick read and absolutely horrifying. As and amazing. most of these things are, yeah. sadly. Yeah. So, so if you want to borrow that, I don't um, know if you do. Well, actually, well if you're not sticking it on, your sto- on your shelf for a while, I'll throw it in the reading stack, which yeah. is about 15 books tall. But... Um, yeah, ultimately I would get to that. So do it. Okay. All right. Cool. That's what's in the box. Do you have Excellent. anything in the box? Um, I have one I recorded at home. Oh, okay. That I would like to tack onto the show, and then maybe call it a show as it's getting to be late. It is. Yes. All right, everybody. Well, that's great. 
So this is a uh, pack from MMP called Best of Friends. And I'll look at each scenario in a little more detail than we normally do when you and I do them like we just did. Mm -hmm. So if your listeners don't like that much detail for scenarios they may not ever play, skip it. If you'd like to hear that, then uh, give a listen, and it'll give a little more of the details of each one. Maybe whet your appetite to grab that Best of Friends packet, which I thought were really excellent-looking scenarios. Ah, good. Good. I'll be looking forward to listening to that because we haven't talked about those. No. Great. Here it is. Alright everyone, we're taking a look at MMP's scenario pack, Best of Friends. And this includes 12 scenarios from the Swedish Friendly Fire ASL Tournament, revised to use official layout and terminology, and in some cases updated for balance. This collection presents a selection of scenarios, scenarios from the first four Friendly Fire packs, designed by the Friendly Fire team. And so, first of all, we don't normally do cover art on a pack like this, which has just a photograph. However, this one's quite striking, if you ask me. It does have that triangular composition, and I love the look of the dude on there, the Russian dude, and that flag with those gold touches. Very, very nice indeed. Well, the first scenario is BOF-1, the Marco Polo Bridge, designed by Martin Zavard. And this is uh, 1937 in China. And I remember learning about this Marco Polo Bridge incident. I think it was a staged, the Japanese claimed the, the Chinese attacked them or something to um, kind of get an excuse to get the war started on China here at the beginning of World War II. And so uh, victory can, there is board 8 here, which is the big, big old river board. And a two-lane stone bridge runs across it. And Japanese don't get hip. Unarmed units in Japanese LB are Chinese prisoners and must begin play under guard. That's a nice touch. The Japanese have some captured Chinese on their side already. This is a five-turn scenario. It's real tight. It has a fairly large number of units with uh, eight Chinese first liners starting up three hexes from 8Q1 east of the river. And then some reinforcements come on along the east edge, which is board 22, the city board from Beyond Valor. And a type 22 armored car for the Chinese. Interesting. And the Japanese have nine units that set up less than two hexes from 8Q1. So they're already contesting the bridge there. And then two units arrive with two Type 94 little tankettes. So you get a little, little bit of tank action, or these early, early tin cans, and a lot of infantry for the Chinese. And the Japanese would win by controlling 12 buildings, less than 7 hexes from 8Q1. Each prisoner squad equivalent in Japanese possession decreases this requirement by 1. 
each eliminated captured abandoned Japanese AFV increases this requirement by two. So there's incentives for the Chinese to free the prisoners and eliminate Japanese vehicles. So looks like a nice one. BOF-2 is a Polish Requiem. Has the uh, boards T from Star Kit 3 and board 4, originally from the original squad leader set. I think it's now with Beyond Valor. And six turns, again, tight little game. Pits the uh, Polish setting up on or south of L, concealed, if in concealment terrain. It's like some defensive units, uh, about four squads, all elites first lines here for the Poles and for the Germans, and some concealment counters. The Germans set up uh, over here on board X row B, north of it, and the early war vehicles are in this thing. You've got so it looks like eight FT 17C tanks are like these. World War One tanks actually is what they look like. Early Polish tanks and these Panzer four C's, two of those and three Panzer two A's and uh, two Panzer one B's. So you got to get a lot of tin cans here. But Polish and elite first Polish elite and first line squads have assault fire capability. That's an interesting side note and uh, special rule. And the Germans win by having greater than or equal to three good order non-crew squad equivalents and two mobile AFV with functioning main armament within four hexes of four CC6. So it seems they want to clear out an area there on board four. It has to have a big uh, four hex hill overlay. Board T is a lot of grain, and uh, I think four is a lot of open ground with those and small patches of grain. So a pretty open battle there. And BOF-3 is the Abbeville Bridgehead, 1940, again an early war one here, with the French and Germans. The French win at any end of any game turn by controlling two or more of the following buildings, and they list them here for you. There's three choices. And it has board 16 and board 4, again, 4 is open area. Um, board 16 is, of course, from Yanks, a lot of grain. Again, open areas here. And this has overlays. So far, a lot of these do. OW1, that's that Orchard Woods one. I can never remember what that is. And then a building one and a woods one. The Germans set up first with a lot of infantry and two AT guns and an AA gun and light weapons. And then the French enter 12 squads and four tanks, including the B1Bs and the R35, two of each. BOF 4, About His Shadowy Sides, designed by Eric Leander, takes place in Lithuania 1941. Still a fairly early war, and it has Panzer IV Ds for the Germans. The rush, uh, four of those, and the Russian win by controlling nine buildings or rubble hexes, and or eliminating three more AFVs than the Germans eliminate. So here's a little tank duel 
Um, they, so the Russians really want to kind of protect their KV-2s. They have two of those. And the, this is apparently like a breakthrough by the Russians and the Germans are so have uh, a very small group of conscripts and second liners with a wounded 10-2 leader who can set up hip for some reason, the leader, and a 6-plus-1, so some crat, cruddy troops. Uh, looks like they must be the ones being broken through, and then in come eight first-line Germans units, infantry to save the day on turn two, and the four tanks on turn three rushed in there to stop the Russians, who enter turn one along the east edge. So yeah, there's a weak force. It looks like they might blow through that, and then these other reinforcements come in. And boards 17 and 19, both from Yanks. 17 has a lot of orchard and some really scattered buildings, so I remember that one. And 19 is that board with all the open ground in the center and the woods on both sides with uh, one patch of grain on one, one end of the board. So that, now that looks like that could be interesting too. It seems like a really different situation with these weak German units and then these other ones come in to save the day. And it has a special rule where neither crews nor vehicles may gain control of the buildings. I like that. kind of keeps it to let the infantry do it. Now, I really like the look of BOF-5, Adolf's Amateurs, uh, designed by Matthias Ronblum, Ronblum, and it's board 32, which is from Partizan. It's that wooded board with all those paths through it that sees a lot of play, and it has the, uh, in Finland, 1941, German and Russian, Germans win upon amassing eight or more victory points, Earn four each onboard mobile German AFV. Each rush so the Russians want to kill the vehicles. Each Russian non-crew squad equivalent or AFV eliminated or captured. So the Germans want to kill Russians. And each building rubble hex bridge currently under German control. Wow, it seems like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that means right now. I'd have to really think it over here. Germans win upon amassing eight victory points. One victory point earned four. Each onboard German vehicle, there's two of those. Each Russian squad or AFV eliminated or captured. That seems easy to do. Each rubble building bridge currently under German control. Huh. Anyway, there are seven Russian squads with some minefields, a few of those, and a lot of concealment counters, a foxhole, and then a tank elements entering turn four along the east edge. Whereas the Germans have the SS Division Nord 12 units and two tanks entering turn one. Looks very interesting, especially because of the special rules here. So you get... If you want to learn to, to play fire and blazes, uh, use this one maybe. Environmental conditions are dry <laughs> with a mild breeze at start, and it's gusty. I don't even remember what gusty means. I imagine you have gusts on better die rolling in the rally phase. After German setup, the Russian player chooses wind direction and places three 
terrain blazes in any woods, hexes, in a setup area. Blazes never spread, and kindling is not applicable. So maybe there won't be as much fire going around as I thought there was from that rule. And um, the Russians can hip one squad, and so on. So, looks interesting. BOF-6, Cavalry Brigade brigade Model, designed by Matthias Rondlum. Boards 37 and 32, very, very dense. 32, we just said, from Partisan, a lot of woods, pass. 37 from Code of Bushido. Um, it's the one that's got all the grain, woods, and orchard all over the place. And no overlays on this one, but uh, the... It's a Russian-German piece set in Russia, 1942. And the Germans win a game in if there are less than two unbroken Russian squad equivalents within one hex of the rallying point. Now that also seems interesting, doesn't it? Uh, You've never seen that victory condition before. Uh, Set up on board 37, the Russian Rifle Division, 13 squads... A couple ATRs, some, a few machine guns, T-60 tank, an infantry gun, some foxholes, and a commissar. And then the German 11 Elite 548s coming on with 11 CAV units. So they're coming on at mounted CAV. And the environment conditions are wet. Prior to setup Special Rule 2, the Russian player secretly designates any one whole hex of board 32 as the rallying point. So they secretly designate the hex. And the Germans need to make sure there are no Russians within one hex of the rallying point. Now that is interesting, but it doesn't seem to give any benefits for having a rallying point. But maybe it's a little bit of a cat-and-mouse game, trying to find out where that is. It looks like these scenarios really present some unique situations because BOF-7, the Fields of Black Gold, designed by Martin Savard, is in Russia, 1942. And the Germans win immediately upon controlling all level 3 hexes and an 18P7 hill um, total hill. And the boards used here are 2 and 18. 2 is the uh, original squad leader, Beyond Valther, uh board with the two big, giant, big hills. And they have cliff edges on it, a lot of points on them, and a little road running down through there. I remember finding a lot of scenarios on that board. And 18, which is the Yanks board with all the little one-level hills spread out kind of all across the board. A lot of, you know, maybe like four to eight, ten hex hills, mostly level one, spread out around there. And um, there's seven, six and a half turn scenario with 11 German squads, a truck, and two artillery pieces, and seven trenches set up, and then the Germans entering along the south edge with the SS 468s and a pretty 
good tank force. Three Panzer IV Fs, and four of them actually, different versions, and uh, two Panzer Threes. And later on, turn three, come two Russian squads and a, two T-34s and four Valentines. One lease from the British, I suppose. And in this one, we have uh, Russians with Molotovs in a very dry conditions with a mild breeze. So if you're going to start fires, there could be some spreading fire here, too. And non-crew infantry setting up. Our TI throughout game turn one, and a truck is set up in motion with the gun in tow, and it's recalled as if an AFV when it is neither transporting passengers or towing a gun, which I like. Get the truck out of there so it can't do anything other than tow. And um, there you go. So again, a unique situation with this people being TI and and so on. BOF-8, Sting of the Italian Hornet, by Chris Mezai and Peter Struff, Struff, is in Sicily, 1943, using half of board 10. Looks like the half with the buildings in it, and board 24, which is that kind of valley board from Paratrooper originally, and now it's in Action Pack 3. And it has... Uh, Italians versus the Brits or Canadians, and a variety, a lot of, it's a big Italian OB, but not in terms of units, well, troops, 11 squads, couple crews, 3 liters, machine gun, 2 lights, ATR, mortar, DC, 7 concealments, 12 minefield factors, an SMV tank, with a 90L gun. Nice. I don't think I've ever used that one. SMV L40. Two of those little tanks. Two artillery pieces. Two wire. Three foxholes. And some reinforcements coming in. Three squads and a tank. Uh, later on, turn four, which is about more than halfway through a six and a half turn game. And the Canadians win by controlling couple buildings here and seven or more other stone two specific buildings and then seven other buildings so they need to, need to take a lot of buildings it looks like um and the canadians have 12 four five eight elites so they outclass the italians and entering turn one three sherman threes and uh, two stewart reconnaissance vehicles and then a mortar, a radio, radio, which has 80 millimeter OBA and a hidden observer. And radio contact attempts are not applicable until an Italian unit has made a to hit IFT die roll. So until they get shot at, has prisoner interrogation. It has fortified buildings for the Italians. It has dry environmental conditions, four overlays, including that Orchard Woods one we talked about earlier, two buildings and a B4, brush four, and put some wooden rubble in there, and f factories, two buildings are factories, and a steeple, and some, so that's a lot of 
different variety of things going on there. A lot of different little rules to, to know. But it looks good also. BOF9, Pursuing Frank, is in Poland, 1944, designed by Matthias Ronblum. Boards X and Y, both, well, from starter kits 1 and 2. There's some wood overlays, three of them. And X is the big grain board, and Y has the, like, villages, uh, or, like, a lot of stone buildings through there. Maybe it's a town, one town, I would think. And the Russians move first. After the Germans set up, the Germans have 11 second-line squads, a couple leaders, machine guns, Shreks, and a two infantry guns. The Russians enter turn one, with two Valentine tanks, SU-57, and then some American half-tracks, some cool American half-tracks with the 24 firepower, um, what do you call it when the gun doesn't it fires as an IFT with the 24 firepower. And then entering turn two along the south edge, seven squads and seven motorcycles with a dismantled 82-millimeter mortar coming on, too, on the motorcycles. Interesting. Again, it's very unique stuff here. I can see why MMP chose these scenarios uh, to use. And the victory conditions, the Russian win at game end, if there are less than four unbroken non-crew German squads on or north of K, extra OK, and each AFV eliminated decreases it by a half squad. Um, special rules. All Russians enter as passengers. Riders, of course, on the motorcycles. And there you go. Again, very unique situation. BOF 10, to have and to hold, September 1944. Pits the Americans against the Germans using boards 40, which is from Quad to Gare. Uh, with the canal on it and board 20 from Beyond Valor, the very, very familiar board from Beyond Valor with the wooden and big old concrete buildings, stone buildings. And the Americans win at game end provided the Germans control neither 40Q2 or 40Q3 at the end of any player turn. So, I guess in other words, the Germans win immediately in any player turn. They do control the two. And here we have um, some conscript Germans setting up first and then entering, wow, some first, second line and conscript Germans too. So some weak German forces in terms of quality, but... <laughs> um, but and then two Stugs come on, but look at the Americans, six... Elite half squads, three M8s and six Jeeps. So, look at that! Like a real reconnaissance force coming on here. Wow! Again, that looks interesting. How often do you see that? Two lane stone bridge exists. Overlay X18 is needed, and 
The German t turn two reinforcements may enter on the east edge or may set up unconcealed in building locations on board 20. So there's another option there to make it unique in different planes. Six turns. Looks short and tight. Like it. Really liking it a lot, guys. You know, I, th I believe Bob Holmstrom has done a lot of plate testing for Friendly Fire, and I can see why he likes their scenarios. BOF 11, Second Thoughts. Taking place in France, January 1945, as Hitler's last major offensive in the West, Nordwind, is in full swing. Board 49, hex rows R to GG, and that's from Armies of Oblivion. It's got some buildings and then some open area, kind of half of each, it looks like, on the board. And... This pits, the, of course, the Americans and Germans against each other. And the Germans will win at game end by controlling one or more building, multi-hex buildings, provided the Americans exit no more than one AFV off the south edge. So it has incentives for the Germans to stop the Americans' tanks from exiting. The Americans want to shoot some tanks through there and also defend the buildings, what the Americans want to do. There's this engineer combat battalion and service troops set up, a green squad, two second liners, one first line squad north of the stream. Stream? Oh, the stream's an overlay put on the board. And um, then on turn two come the tanks, and for the Americans, three tanks. M4 variations, and and then the, uh, nine squads, second line and first liners, coming on turn four, whereas the Germans, SS, enter turn one on the east edge, seven squads, and a DC, and a captured American HMC tank enters turn five on the south edge, so that's kind of cool too, having a captured American tank in there, and it is ground snow with the stream and a railroad overlay, streams deep but not frozen or frigid, be a roadblock in there, and two lane stone bridges exist, two of them all in there too, and on game turns one and two, American ELR is zero. The American personnel are lax and considered inexperienced for purpose of CC capture. So that's, again, setting up a lot of unique situations in these scenarios. The Germans have uh, winter camo, and the tank, the German tank, captured HMC, of course, has an experienced crew and is not elite, despite being SS, of course, because it's a captured uh, vehicle. So again, nice, unique situation, half board, tight play, seven turns. Looks great. And the last one, BOF-12, Forging Spetsnaz. Has three half boards, 49, 23, and 18, all laid across. Features the uh, Russians against the Chinese, and it is in Korea, 1945, August 13th. And the Russians win by controlling one multi-ex building west of the canal and having one or more unbroken 
multi-man counter within two hexes of each bridge. So he's got to kind of get into the two bridge areas and get a building. And the uh, Japanese set up first with five conscript squads and multi-hex buildings. And then a group on board 18 and hexes number less than four. Five more squads with two crews, an infantry gun, a machine gun, and three trenches. And then a group of six squads entering with three of the trucks, all as passengers, on turn three. So, cool. Got a lot of variety here in the setup, and people entering. And then there's the Russian six squads. Nice leadership. 10-2 Russian leader. How often do you see that? Setting up within two hexes of 23 GG5. And a naval battalion setting up 10 squads on board 18. Hex is number less than 7. Buildings are all ground level only. Bridge destruction TEM is 0. And the Russians have 2 DCs. And a truck without passengers may not enter a new hex. So once they unload, the truck has to sit there. And the 140th Reconnaissance Detachment of the Russian 628, six of those are stealthy and have a smoke ex placement exponent of four. Check it out, Russians with smoke. So, again, finish off this pack with a nice, unique scenario. Uh, haven't checked their balance records. they got to be out there. If they're pulling some of the best out of the whole group, friendly fire scenarios i'm going to bet these are all top-notch scenarios so hope you've enjoyed this little review and i'm excited about these and i know I, I say i like everything that i review but i really like these just a lot of variety here so grab them and enjoy them all right well dave before we wrap up i have one question for you about yes, sir. Uh, going back to tarawa i've got all these counters that came with tarawa mm -hmm. how would you organize these would you put all the japanese just mix them in with your japanese and I all threw the americans them right in, with the americans? in i threw okay. them right in the only problem with that is i've discovered when you replace your counters from the new editions that are larger scale and you're digging through there trying to dig out all your old japanese because they're mixed, they're not replacing Tarawa with larger scale, you know. Right. You got to sort them all again. Whereas if I think you just had a container saying these all were from this game, mm -hmm. you could quickly dump them all into a bucket and say that's – I'm getting rid of those and replace them with these new ones. Why, why would I get rid of them? Why not just have duplicates? Oh, in each – I don't know why. I, I guess my, my organizational thoughts are – I can only have one labeled A, a. B, C, oh, D, double A, double B, yeah. double C. Okay. But you know what? That, when does that ever really matter? Really? Yeah, probably not too mm. often. Like, how about never? That you can't simply switch out a unit real quick and yeah. say, oh, instead of two A's, I'll put this in? Though in Tarawa, uh, I know, you know, for big campaign games, well, and I don't know if you had this in the last bit, where you had to worry about duplicates like that. No. Because, you know, when you're setting up your... Um, um, you know, your acquired markers and stuff like that. If you had two... Oh, tanks with the same. You're yeah. Right. That, yeah, that would work. But to be honest, when I put down the acquireds, we don't pay a lot of attention to what 
you just kind of know where they remember. are. Yeah. Right. Who shot here again? Well, yeah. I think it was that guy. Okay, it's a difference yeah. of one if okay. you're wrong anyway. But I know that's sloppy play for some people. But, yeah. But, yeah, there's a good other reason to separate them out. So, and some people want to resell their original copy. Yeah. On eBay. I can't imagine. For high prices. I'm probably going to mix all these together because I always think if I ever decide to sell my ASL, I'm just going to sell it all as a big, yeah, you're one not, big thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I know you're going to do that, right? Because when we were sorting all the counters, and that, remember that? I, yes. I, I'm like a counter sorter dude. Yes. And it is tedious, but in some part of me, kind of like it's determined. Yeah. And so I'll have a third of it sorted. I'm like, no, I'm going to finish sorting yeah. all this. I understand this, it. I just this. don't can't, I can't and do it. It's, it's but I get a it. personality flaw. <laughs> it's your only one. <laughs> That's not bad. But um, no, you're right. Yeah, throw it together and just bulk it. Okay. Let someone else sort it. Yeah. They care okay. that much. All right. Cool. All right, everybody. That's episode 90. I don't know. Three? Are you serious? Three, 93. Maybe two, yeah. three. 93, I think. Well, anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Thanks for writing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing all that you do to help make this podcast possible. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. But yep. until then, roll low and rally very well. But not, but when, not you're when you're playing, playing us. us. Please, please, when you're not playing us, don't do that. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Yeah, maybe I'll just put everything in a big drum. More seaweed? Yeah. Please. <laughs> delicious. Fabulous. I'm really filling up on this seaweed. I'm oh, going